Hi, this is Dave Shu. For those of you who don't know, I'm a family physician, and once a week I do a podcast called Medical Dads with my co-host, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician from Ottawa, Ontario. Stu and I talk about all things parenting, from the ridiculous to the sublime. So check it out and make it part of your week. Now available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I was very weak. Uh, physically, <laughs> in throwing a ball, like I told you, I, I tell you, like if you give me a badminton racket, I can hit it. Like I guess I can do a lot of things with it, right? But if you ask me to throw a ball, like I couldn't throw. There was a kid that made fun of me, and I threw a ball to him or her. No, it was him. I threw a ball to him, and then he said, like, "Oh, that's a throw. That's a toss." Or you threw like a girl. Like I couldn't. Like I tried my best. I couldn't throw the ball. Hi, welcome to Unique Stories, a podcast where we talk to people about the stories that make up their lives, where they've been, what they've done, where they are heading, and more. I'm your host, David Shu. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back for another episode with our guest, part two of our conversation with Mr. Kenny Ho my old elementary school classmate and high school teacher at St. Elizabeth. Kenny, how are you doing? Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be back. And uh, last week's se- session with the interview was phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, uh, phenomenal. <laughs> I, I have to say, from my perspective, it was phenomenal for me because it was a self-reflection that I had to do. And uh, that self-reflection, hopefully you uh, listeners out there had enjoyed it. Uh, this week, we'll be talking a little bit more about the things that uh, Dave will ask me. So <laughs> you go right ahead, Dave. I think uh, this is entertaining. <laughs> we are entertaining ourselves more so than the audience out there. Oh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Now, in the first episode, in case for people who missed the first episode, Kenny and I kind of talked about what his experience was like immigrating to Canada, especially the first part. So we talked about growing up a little bit in Hong Kong, his parents in the mid eighties deciding, you know, we're going to look for a better life in Canada. And then they relocate to Canada, talked a little bit about that transition and then him getting settled in an elementary school. And we kind of stopped it right there. So we're, we're in 1987 at this point, right? March, yes. March break, 1987, Kenny Ho shows up at St. Maximum Colby elementary school, which incidentally is where I was as a student <laughs> where I first met him. And Maybe let's pick up the story around there. Like, what do you remember about arriving at our school at that time? I can tell you. So this is a story which I think uh, if Maxine is listening to this, uh, I think she'll appreciate it because she, Maxine, uh, was the first person who I encountered uh, at the office. I believe it was also her first day of school. And uh, so just before the bell, we were uh, brought to the office. And uh, Maxie and I were just sitting there, I, I guess, with our parents. I don't really remember. Well, to put this in context, Maxine is another student yes. from Hong Kong, actually. Yes. So Maxine is another student um, who I think she just arrived um, from Hong Kong. So I, I came in 1987. Uh, this is 1988 March. Now that you're telling this story, like I went back and thought about this. I had no recollection that you appeared midway through grade four. Like I hadn't, I had this thing in my mind where at the beginning of a year, suddenly there were all these people from Hong Kong in our class. And 
I realized my memory on this is faulty, right? Because you guys all came at different times. Uh, I think um, so. Felix, Felix, I think uh, started at grade four or grade three. Julian also started grade two or three. It was all around the same time. Yeah, it was it around was... the same time. It was yeah. Julian, Josa, um, Felix. Uh, those were the the students that were the kids that were at in grade four, right? So now now you're in the class, and so there's a bunch of people from Hong Kong, and then there's the rest of us who are there. What was your feeling at that time? Were you did you feel unwelcomed? Yeah, well, to be honest, right? I I I came from um, Clifford Public School, where there were I believe there were 10 of us, like um, students from Hong Kong. So oh, there more. were, yeah, there were a lot, a lot of us mm -hmm. uh, in, at that school. So when I came, I looked around and I didn't see any familiar faces, right? They're all <laughs> white people or Guaylo, right? Hey, I was there. I was <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> but they all spoke, right? English and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I did remember, uh, I think the teacher had um, introduced uh, me, Maxine and I, to I believe Felix, Josa, and Julian because they were also the ESL group that mm -hmm. uh, we uh, were labeled as, and so I I think uh, during recess at the time I just hung around them because it was hanging around with people that you're familiar with seemed to be the uh, the comfortable thing to do right at the time. Right. Actually, even so now today, right? But <laughs> if you well, think it is, about it. it's a sad commentary on the world in some ways, but it, whatever, what's true in grade four is still true now as adults. Yes, of course. So that, that, was, that was the uh, um, ESL group. And um, we, we were, I believe in some sense, were labeled as the ESL group. And I think part of the, uh, the for lack of better words, right, we were the, uh, ESL students and so we <laughs> well, stuck around and is, <laughs> you feel like you I mean you've mentioned the term ESL group like five times <laughs> I I think there I I think there was a it's a combination of of um uh naming because um I remember one time um the teacher had uh, referred us as the ESL group and I think that caught on, right, with the rest of the, um, the students there. I was there. I don't really remember you guys having a distinct name, like referring to you as the ESL group. But I do remember this group of people, like, in my mind as being like a collection that was together, right? All the people from Hong Kong. This was a thing. And I think there were, yeah, maybe you're right. There weren't any... Uh, nationalities right there there's no other any, countries represented uh, right no this no is... <laughs> this is the chinese group <laughs> that we we were labeled as and i think at the at the school uh, in the asl class itself with mrs yuan um we were all uh, from hong kong yeah because you have, people have to remember that this point in history in canada's like history there was so much immigration coming from hong kong and, and so many individuals, uh, immigrant families, moved to that area, the Scarborough area, where right. like Warden and Steels, Warden Minico, Birchmount Minico, Birchmount Steels, right. uh, Brindley and Steels, and those area were very uh, populated with uh, families from Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean now, even now, like Scarborough is a gateway community. I think that's how they call themselves. Yes, uh, inception area, uh, immigrant, uh, uh, something inception area. Yeah, many new like immigrants that. from of all cultures w will will start off 
in Canada there. But during those those years, it was very heavily Hong Kong, right? And mm -hmm. later it would become, I think, a, more Sri Lankan, more yes. mainland China. So it changes with time. But at that time, it just suddenly felt like, whoa, there's all these Chinese kids in my class. I, I remember telling my parents at home, but none of them speak Chinese. <laughs> because <laughs> David's the odd one out. He's from Taiwan. <laughs> so... What else do you remember? Like, it, what was the year like? Your first, I guess you're only there for a few more months, right? And then we're going to hit grade five. But what was those first few months like? It was, uh, well, at, at, at St. Max um, in grade four, everything was very difficult for me because mm -hmm. everything was in English. I believe compared to uh, Cliffwood, uh, where I started, began school in Canada, at Cliffwood, I, I believe I wasn't in the mainstream class most of the time. I was in the ESL classroom most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, here in, at St. Max, uh, I think uh, only English and I don't know, maybe science or whatever. So several uh, time frames uh, were we in Mrs. Yuan's class. The other times we were with Mrs. Morrison's class. Mm -hmm. So I felt that at the time um, work was difficult because the language was in English and mm -hmm. I read and spoke and, and knew very little about the language as well as the, uh, how to do things, right? Right. The only uh, class I believe I excelled in was mathematics because it was so simple. It was literally <laughs> simple because that was like, I learned those when I was in kindergarten, the math well, that, concepts in grade That was four. actually one of the questions that I was about to ask was, is that stereotype true? Like even, the, even the worst student from Hong Kong can come over and rock in mathematics here. Yes, yeah, we can. Um, and I believe the curriculum in Hong Kong was a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say faster because like <laughs> it, the, the material, the content was a lot more uh, tougher. Let's just say it. Let's just say it. It was a lot better. <laughs> uh, the mathematics was a lot better um, because it was taught. And in here, I believe the the teaching of mathematics was not that emphasized. At what point did you start, and maybe it doesn't happen in this first year, but at what point did you start feeling comfortable at the school? Like overall, like, you know, you're not anxious or you're not as rattled thinking about the prospect of another day of, of treading water. Oh, good, good question. Good question. Um, I think I got comfortable when I was in grade seven. So it did take like three and okay. a half years for me to be comfortable mm. in the classroom and not be stigmatized mm -hmm. as the ESL student. Right. And, and this is keeping in mind that you came at a fairly young age, right? Like, so most people will say, if you're going to pick up a new language, you're going to go to a new environment, do it when you're young. Yes, and it still took me that long. And uh, sometimes when, um, like speaking from experience now, when I see immigrant students or like visa students coming over here and uh, the hardship that they encounter with simply picking up the language and many of them get so frustrated. Mm -hmm. um, right, and they're in high school or, or right, sometimes university-ish right. And they ask, oh, yeah. my English is so bad. And then they want my honest feedback of how to improve. And I said, all you have to do is to just be present, right? Be present in the culture, mm -hmm. be present in the speaking, um, practice a little bit more because as I always tell them, uh, it did take me four or five years just to be comfortable in the environment. 
And for them coming mm-hmm. at an age of 15, 16, it will be a lot more uh, difficult for them. So, right. right a lot longer. Um, so I guess the encouragement is not to be discouraged by the lack of English proficiency skills that you have, but keep on trying and keep on speaking and keep on um, practicing because that's how you become a little mm-hmm. bit more proficient. Now, that's the school part. It took about three or four years to feel comfortable. How about the non-school part, like the social part? Like how did, when did you feel comfortable that you were a student at this school and you belonged in the class? At St. Maximilian Kobe, I don't think... Uh, you never felt comfortable. Well, I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. We're, I'm, <laughs> I would understand Maybe, maybe um, in grade eight, like uh, in, in my mm. final year. Maybe it has to do with... Uh, it doesn't... Maybe it has to do with many things, right? Because uh, like uh, I would be, uh, would have been the eldest at the school and I would be graduating and like, this is my <laughs> uh, graduating class. So, and then remember we took on several trips or we took on a trip? Yes, Mansfield. we went to Mansfield. Did we do it? Yeah, it like did we do retreat. that in grade eight? Yeah, we did that in grade, grade eight. We did that in so grade eight, yeah. I think those, the trips there um, did, help me um, feel a little bit part of the entire class. Um, mm-hmm. And then we did some graduating, graduation things, just uh, such as um, confirmation we did together as a class. So um, the class activities or trips did bring um, collectiveness in, in us, I guess, in me. Wow. I mean, I had no idea that you would have referred to yourself as an ESL student and that would be your primary identity. It is a bad uh, stigma, but I think we all felt it, that we were labeled as that, Mm -hmm. right? To be honest, if I was thinking about you guys, Mm -hmm. like in that time period, that is how probably I even now would be like, oh yeah, this was the group that came Mm -hmm. together in grade four and and they hung out together. I don't think I was old enough to really understand more past that but thinking about it now i'm like well okay that must be a very difficult experience for them to go through because you and i have talked about this and we came from a school that actually overall it was a very friendly class they're overall i would say they're good kids you know they've grown up to be good adults (laughs) for the the most part yes but they weren't the most accepting group of people in terms of especially because this class had been together for many years right so this class had been together since grade one and or even kindergarten i believe so then as people started getting added onto the class, the later you got added onto the class, the more difficult it was for you to sort of make friends. In the Correct. Class. Which um, the, the harder it was to like fit in. It, it, it was a real thing. And I've talked to other people from our class who have said, you know, some of the people in the class are really mean about this kind of stuff, right? If you were new, you were just left and, out. And the leaving out part, like you say, said, it's is devastating to the, student or the child uh, speaking from a teacher perspective Mm -hmm. because um, part of elementary school um, other than curriculum is recess time right who did you hang out with and sometimes um, (laughs) now I feel it now reflecting on it I understand a little bit more Uh, during the recess time or the off time that we had or even like uh, after school trying to fit in is a struggle for some people Uh, was it a struggle for me Mm -hmm. I have to admit it probably was a struggle for me because I wasn't like five foot, whatever. Uh, <laughs> five foot yes. two, like the other tall guys in the class at the time, right? <laughs> I didn't have like 
cool clothing or cool shoes that parents bought for them. Um, I didn't have a um, computer system or gaming system at home, which maybe all the kids had. Like I came from a family mm -hmm. where um, finance was a little bit challenging, right? Um, so I didn't mm -hmm. have the luxuries of those. And uh, speaking about that, I kind of felt left out because of it. Which yeah. is sad to say, but I don't mind saying it now because that's a lesson in itself, right? Um, you can't really uh, fault a student or a child for not having the things that uh, he or she could not have compared to other kids in the class. Well, let me tell you my story. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I actually didn't come to St. Maximin Colby until early in grade three. So I was there for probably about a year and a bit longer. So did grade. you, so back to right. me asking you, did you feel left out or how did you feel? Um, terrible, terrible. So when I first switched, it was like about a month into grade three, I had been attending another school um, a few blocks away called St. Sylvester. And when grade three started, they put me in the grade two, three mm -hmm. split class. So I was a grade third grader mm -hmm. with a bunch of second graders. Most of my friends, actually all of them were in the grade three, the true grade three class. So, you know, with like an immigrant Chinese family that the last thing they want to see is their kid in the, in the higher grade yes, of a split of class, right? It's okay to be in the lower grade because you can pick up <laughs> next year's material early, but you don't want to repeat last year's stuff, right? My parents were livid and the school wouldn't move me to the class. And it was kind of strange, like if at the time, like I was probably one of the better students in the class, but the people that they generally put in these splits were the mm -hmm. weaker students, right? And so my mom got so fed up that they heard about this new school that had, op that had opened up. It was just a few blocks away. Our house was still in the district. So they said, okay, you're switching schools. And I was upset because my buddies were at this old school. I'd been there since kindergarten for the most part, and I didn't want to leave, right? So I show up at St. Maximilian Colby a year before you, and at that year, I and they got I got put into the three four class. And now my mom's <laughs> really happy, right? We, we moved to a new world. You're in a three four class, and three four class. The problem with it is there were only about like six or seven grade threes, and everyone else is in grade. Were four, we in the right? three four class? So I was Miss Morrison. No, you, you. It was Mrs. Morrison then doing three four. So I had. Oh, you had it years. for two years. I had heard for two years. And I made, a, I made some friends gradually over that year with the grade four class, but it took a long time. Like my memories of that year basically are me walking around the playground at recess with no friends, right? Because the school year's already started and I'm not even with the other grade four. So I'm with a few grade threes and it's just a lonely feeling in the playground, right? I remember one time Joe Kornakia, is that his name? The, he was the yeah, year yeah. below us. He invited me to play like yeah. foot hockey with the other kids once. And eventually Mark Romero was one of the kids in the three, four class. So that's how I became mm. friends with him because we were in that class together. I remember so, Mark Romero. <laughs> so then we started in grade four and that was the first time I joined like that cohort of kids, like the 25 kids who'd, who had come through grade one, two, three, now in four together. And and I was getting to know them and it was, it, it took time. Like you said, it took a couple of years. It, it probably took me until grade five or something at some point. I mean, sooner than you, but to start to feel like, okay, I know some of these guys. Well, I feel comfortable prior to that. It was kind of on and off, you know, like you had to make friends with somebody then to be gone after a few weeks. I made friends with a grade four, but then when we, when I went to grade four, they're in a different class and you don't talk to them ever again. Like it was a, it was a weird experience. 
And I did have that feeling of not fitting in, but it didn't last as long as you. Well, I think for me, it was uh, at recess time, especially, right? Because most kids are very athletic. Uh, for those of you who know me, I'm not that athletic. The only sports I can play with any sport with a racket, okay, badminton, tennis, squash, whatever. <laughs> those are not school sports, and so I didn't even know how to kick a ball. Like I, like I really didn't. And uh, playing baseball, I didn't know, even know how. Nobody taught me how to play baseball, so I didn't even know what to do with a bat. I thought <laughs> I didn't even. I really didn't know what to do with a bat, right? So during right. that time. Hong Kong no. is not a country that's known for its sporting life and culture. <laughs> it's not. And we, we had, uh, we probably had, we had recess. I remember having recess in Hong Kong, but all we did at recess was like ran around. Like there was no, like we couldn't bring a ball or anything like that. So um, mm. it was very hard fitting in. It was really hard, especially, and I must, I must add, especially when you are, um, an immigrant and you speak with an accent and you mm. don't know the culture and you don't know then the sport of how you how to even like um, play floor hockey or foot hockey or how to play handball remember that mm. handball like you even know how to play handball you, you didn't know how to spin the ball or you didn't know how to skip a rope that 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 in itself is uh, not a very good feeling because not only do you have to right. worry about curriculum uh, not only do you have to worry about understanding language, getting accustomed to the culture, um, you also have to worry about, okay, great, uh, which friend am I going to play with? Uh, or do I have any friends who hang around? I know. With, right? The saving grace for me was that I was really into sports. Like I have been my whole life and that probably allowed me to survive in all these environments. And probably because I remember like, I don't know, I remember what grade. Like I was... I was very weak uh, physically <laughs> in throwing a ball. <laughs> like I told you, I, I tell you, like if you give me a badminton racket, I can hit it. Like I guess I can do a lot of things with it, right? But if you ask me to throw a ball that I couldn't throw, there was a kid that made fun of me. And I threw a ball to him or her. No, it was him. I threw a ball to him. And then he said like, oh, that's a throw? That's a toss. Or you threw like a girl. Like I couldn't, like I tried my best. I couldn't throw the ball, right? But so it was very hard. It was very hard um, uh, getting uh, what they call fit in because I wasn't the cool kid. I didn't mm -hmm. know sports. And sometimes being uh, at reset would be quite lonely, right? Because there wasn't, mm -hmm. there was no uh, person who I really gravitated to. And so maybe Dave, you will ask me like, what about the ESL group of friends? So from my recollection, I, I, I remember them. I remember playing with them, but there was no one that I, there was not one person that I had gravitated to that could share this uh, anxiety, I would say, right? Mm, right. So you couldn't talk about this kind of feeling, right? Did that ever change? Or did, you know, even by the end when you were feeling more comfortable, did you have a better connection with specific people I, at that uh, point? Maybe in grade eight, um, several people came to mind. And if I, I'm recollecting now. Uh, I remember um, talking to Mark Romero. Like he was a really good friend at the time uh, in grade eight. I talked to him right. a lot. And then if you remember Gary, Gary also, I, I talked to him a lot. Yes. Uh, so, so for people in the audience, like Kenny had this reputation when we were kids of being like a saint. Right? He, I still he had, like, have this that whole, picture like, of the yearbook. Or... This, 
this isn't this is an audio podcast so they right. can't see what this guy looks like but he basically has this choir boy appearance like pretty like you know he's he's not overbearing he's nice quiet. guy overall he really fits the paradigm of being nice a nice overall. guy overall so in our class we called him saint kenny right yes i never swore in, in my life never yeah. <laughs> i was friends with mark romero he came up to me at some point in grade eight. he's like you know i've been talking to kenny and he's into girls like he likes girls he's just as dirty as the rest of us right i, re I remember telling him telling me that and that that stayed really? with me for 40 years now i did not remember telling him that i did not remember talking about girls to him i don't know where he got that from well he was always trying to be the contrarian right so if everyone has is has this idea of you as the saint he's going to unearth the opposite opinion uh, the somehow. other guy that i i gravitated to or i talked to uh somewhat uh christopher if you remember him christopher mm. lombardi chris lombardi and then yes. uh gino nice guy uh yeah yes. uh, gino i talked to as well yeah that that those are about it right <laughs> so so here's the money question what do you remember of me in elementary school do you remember so i my recollection of you is that um Actually, we have a label for you as well. We have a label for your group. We, we, have a, we have a label. Yes. I have a group. Yes, yes. I was unaware that we I was a group. We call you the gifted group. Oh, that, that's true. There... <laughs> for those of you who do not know, uh, this is quite entertaining because now we uh, spill the beans. Um, Dave uh, is a very smart boy. And... Uh, at the time, he was in the gifted program um, along with five or six other kids. Yeah, six. there were six of us in total. Um, and those kids were the academic kids because they were gifted. So mm -hmm. we, uh, well, Nerdville, <laughs> whatever. They 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 were like the elite group of the class because they. They always went out on a Wednesday. So every Wednesday they were at another school. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I did. remember the day it, of the week? Was it Wednesday? Was it Wednesday? I don't even know. I think that. it was Wednesday. It I think it was Wednesday, been. middle of the <laughs> week. And because I remember so because, because I don't know how I remember, but uh, there were less people in the class on a particular day when you guys were gone. So yeah. um, when the teacher would ask a question, right? Um, some of us would actually participate because the smart kids wouldn't take away the, all the answer, right? Wouldn't put up their hand for the answer. Wow. I actually did no yes. idea that there was so this, this other is, backstory uh, the going on. Group, right? So, um, mm. and I think uh, going back to the topic of fitting in, uh, Dave could fit in a little bit more easy, easier because um, he was known to be academically uh, strong. So students would gravitate towards him. I do remember. I do remember that feeling. They were the, the elite. School. Like the, the problem with the class is that everyone fits to your role, right? And once your role gets assigned to you, if that's not the role you want, it's really, really hard to break out of that. Oh, it's very hard because I remember, I, I could remember there were kids uh, in the class and maybe we won't mention their names here, but uh, for those of you who came to elementary school with us, there were kids who were quite, um, I, w I wouldn't say different, but acted uh, differently uh, compared to the rest. And they were bullied, right? They mm -hmm. were uh, called out.
you're talking about kids who, for whatever reason, you know, some of them were uh, in special education. Or some of them, yeah, first came, or some of them had a little accent. Right. This, hap- this is a recurrent yes. theme in our school. And, and I think maybe to, to paint the picture a little bit more clear, like our school was full of immigrants, right? Like this is a Catholic elementary school in suburban uh, Scarborough, circa mm-hmm. late 1980s, right? It's mm-hmm. full of immigrants. There's actually, uh, there's no Protestants, yes. right? It's a Catholic school, right? So we have Italians, a lot of Italians, some Filipinos, Chinese, you know, that's it, right? We're all right. minorities. You, you'd think we'd all get together and, and sing Kumbaya every day, right? And this is the ironic part, right? Like in religion class or in a gathering, we all were, we were taught to be a collective, right? To be Catholic, to act in a very Christian way or to be a good person. Yet in the background, there were all these things that went on, which uh, defies what you were taught or your religion tells you, right? Right, right. Which is very interesting. So, so I'll tell you, like, I had never really thought about racism too much, mm-hmm. you know, growing up for a few, up until like at some point around grade six or seven, right? Suddenly people in the class thought it was cool to make like, you know, jokes, like mm-hmm. anti-Semitic jokes, right? Or, and we didn't even know any yeah, Jewish yeah. people in our school, right? Yeah. We're at a Catholic school, right? Or they would start making like, mother jokes right like suddenly someone saw this on tv they thought it was cool they started making these kind of comments and it's just weird how this thing takes on a life of its own because really i'm thinking about it now like our class had we were all immigrants like i used to think that my friends that were white Mm -hmm. were white people they actually were italian right i realized later that just a few decades before when they came to canada they dealt with all the same hostilities we dealt with yes probably so, you know, it's it's very interesting that um, St. Maxwell Kobe, if we as adults look back, we were pretty good kids. We were pretty good kids. And if we can verbalize mm-hmm. that these things were happening at the school when we were going through school or when we were collecting um, how we felt, like imagine some of the schools out there, uh, inner city Toronto or like other suburban areas. Absolutely. Like you can see, like, oh my goodness, how the kids uh, would feel or the individual kid would feel um, when you are faced with a group of students that are not Mm -hmm. as nice as we are. Because I can say that we are pretty good class. I I think uh, from a teacher perspective, If I was the teacher and I left the class like by itself, I, I think it would be okay. Like no one would kill each other. They would be doing work. Some, some, you know, some work is being done. Yeah, some would be, but some work would be done. No, right? it was, it was, it was an overall good school. Like if you measure it by parameters, like you know, did people mm-hmm. end up on drugs? Were people ending up in jail? You know, were there crimes being committed? No, right. But there was this feeling that some people belonged in the class and some people were new and outsiders. And that was a pervasive thing. It affected me mm-hmm. briefly at the beginning. It Definitely. affected you. And it's affected some of these other kids who were yeah, less fortunate and I, than I, not. I feel looking at, like thinking about them, I feel very bad for the individuals that... Yeah. yeah. I, there were a handful of kids, like maybe three or four, who were especially the yes. special education kids, right? There were a bunch of kids that weren't like you know they were Mm -hmm. a little bit behind and there was in thinking back to it now it makes no sense 
but basically they had no friends, right? The, the, the people in the class, you know, none, nobody wanted to be friends with them. Right. And it seemed like that was just the overall feeling of the class coming from yes. the higher ups of the class yes. hierarchy. Right. And I don't think I was even in a position to be in the hierarchy. <laughs> right. So I was like, we're all just trying to survive. We're all just trying to maintain our status. And if we're going to, we can't stick up for them because that would potentially take yes. us down in the hierarchy. So these people are left to be out there on their own. Right. And thinking back on it, even when I got to high school, in high school, you see this pattern happen again on a bigger scale. And it's it's nasty there, too. But in elementary school, because it seemed like such an idyllic place mm-hmm. in most respects, but in this one respect seemed kind of foul. I have to say that um, my experience at uh, St. Maxwell and Colby compared to Brebuff, which is our high school, we went to the same high school t- together for the audience out there. <laughs> My experience at the high school level uh, is much different. I I think it's a little bit more positive for some reason. Well, we will get there next week. So, so in elementary school, like I was in your class. I mean, I, I think I knew you a little bit. I don't think I knew you well. And at some point recently, like I was talking to my mom and I was like, yeah, I've been talking to Kenny, like uh, we reconnected after all these years. And he's like, what did she say to me? She's like, ah, all those years, you should have been friends with them. Then. You said that those are the new immigrants, the FOBs, right? And I'm like, what? I said that? I, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> but, but probably I did say that because that's yeah. what the guys were saying in those years, right? Either the ESL kids or the FOBs, right? Yeah. I mean... On behalf of our class, I apologize <laughs> to you for however we made you feel, <laughs> inadvertently or As inadvertently. Live, it's not to me only. I think um, the feeling is mm-hmm. also there for the other uh, friends that I that I had at the time. And, I'm sure um, it is. I'm so sure it is. Our group, our group, uh, really felt uh, a little bit isolated. But at the same time, um, there's nothing bad about it. Uh, now that we speak about it, because it's a learning experience for all. Um, even as mm-hmm. adults, um, we have to think, what shall we do when we, when we find a situation like this? I mean, yeah, I mean, we, as adults, we put a positive spin on anything that happens in the past, yeah. right? If you survive it and you're better off for it, then yeah, 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 go team. But I mean, I, none of us really wants to have to mm-hmm. go through this if we don't have to on the flip side. Let me ask you. So we talked a little bit about recess, struggling to fit in a recess, and we talked about class. Let's talk a little bit about lunch. Do you remember what lunch was like in elementary school? Like, what did you bring for lunch regularly? So I, for me, um, I brought a sandwich only. Yeah, see, I knew. I, I remember what everyone yeah, brought. You I, were a sandwich, sandwich guy. guy. I remember, do you remember back in the day there were lunch boxes? That had like a transformer front and I had like a Barbie if you were a girl. It was, I had a blue lunch box. Like that was really do you remember that, that? You don't remember that, that I don't remember, but yeah, I do remember yeah, I remember plastic, there's these plastic yeah, thermos. It was a it was a box. It was a there was a clip, right? And I always brought yeah. um I always brought a sandwich and a juice and a drink. Um and you know what? At the at the time it was I, I hung out with I guess the ESL group. I think I remember eating lunch mm-hmm. with Felix Julian, Michael Doyle. I might have to mention him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later years, um, uh, Maxine and Josa also came along with the lunch group. Um, I remember mm-hmm. eating that. What I remember is all of you guys, all 
the ESL group, whatever. Yes. All sandwiches. And Dave, what did you bring? Right. I remember what Dave brought because. Yes, this is what I'm. This is what I'm getting. At. I was the only true yes. Chinese in our because class. Because Dave <laughs> brought a thermos with rice or noodles or whatever in a warm thermos. Yes, and this thing was a huge pain in my butt. Right, like I'm the only guy in this class representing <laughs> 1.2 billion people at lunchtime. Right, like I'm opening this thermos of last night's leftovers. Right, like my parents were cooking like you know yeah. fa choy. <laughs> right, like 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 yeah. uh, chives. Like yeah, everything yeah. seemed to have chives or garlic in it. Right, so then immediately I opened the box and then some kid would come over. Oh, oh, what do you have today? Oh, it's gross. Right, and how did you tolerate? I I'm I'm curious. I want to know how did you tolerate it. Well, first of all, I hate cold food, right? So then I would—I actually really detest. Okay, I don't detest sandwiches, but I kind of detest the thing that most people bring to school that they pass off as a sandwich: two pieces of bread with a piece of cheese and a slice of ham. That is no, not. No, that's sandwich, not lunch. That right? is not a lunch or a sandwich. Yes. Yeah, that's just disgusting, right? So I, there was no way I was going to eat that. I had been bringing this hot lunch since like even like grade one. Yeah, right. Yeah. I had always been doing this. And I was like, I'm gonna eat this no matter what because I like the food, but probably it was only because of my status in the class of being uber nerd, right, <laughs> that allowed me to do this, right, and had had enough thick skin to be able to say, you know what, I'm gonna do this. When I went to Brayboff mm -hmm. in grade nine, I told my parents, you know, this is high school, this is serious. <laughs> I need friends. I'm gonna bring and did you sandwiches, bring sandwich? right? So I don't. I brought sandwiches for a whole year in grade nine, and at that point, I was like. I'm really sick of this. My dad only knew how to make one type and of sandwich. Was basically, it was roast beef every day, and it actually is a good sandwich. But when you get to day <laughs> 250, it's time to change it up. So the latter part of high school, I was screwed. I'm going back to rice, right? But this was a thing. Like I remember feeling at that time that no one understood me. Like you probably had that feeling. I was in that class thinking nobody understands me. I have this weird lunch that everyone makes fun of. My parents take me to all these lessons that none of these other guys seem to have to do any lesson, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing piano, I'm swimming, I'm doing all this stuff. I had this like weird like Chinese American or eight Chinese Canadian upbringing. Everyone else in the class is just goofing off, right? And and then you guys show up, and I was like, I'm not even like these <laughs> Chinese people, right? Like this makes no sense I, I, to me, right? I, I appreciate like the the thick skin that you had. Because I remember one time that I brought a thermos with um, I even remember what that was. It was um, a Xingjiao chao mai. It was like a stir frying. Oh, yes, one of my favorite that. foods. And when I opened it up, it was warm. Like it was, it was like um, it was good tasting, right? And I enjoyed right. that lunch. I could still remember like opening it and smelling it. And then I thought to myself, you know what? Like had, had, like us as peers when we were kids, not be mean to other kids. I think we would be a little bit more healthier, like by eating hot lunches rather than a piece of bread with a I don't know, like <laughs> if not healthier, happier. happier. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah, know how yeah. healthy Shinzo <laughs> Tommy is really. <laughs> but yeah, happier. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, I definitely grew up with this resentment of the surrounding culture. Like my feeling as a kid oftentimes was that as a Chinese Canadian, I don't fit mm -hmm. in, right? And, you know, I use chopsticks, everyone else uses mm -hmm. a fork, right? I'm gonna do 
my times tables 10 times everyone uh -huh. else does it two times like this is just a different upbringing which i was okay with but i also was a little so bit fast forward of. like now that i'm adult now i sit on the other side of the uh table when i have lunch duty in, in my school uh it is no longer a bad stigma anymore although i must say the still mm -hmm. the same things continues to happen all the chinese kids stick around all the filipino kids stick around all the italian kids but they're right but they're they bring their own food of going to the microwave and microwave their food although it might smell like foul smell or the uh, good smell whatever mm -hmm. it is but at least they're not afraid to do that now i don't know if it's just the high school uh atmosphere that had that like that would they felt a little bit more comfortable but um yeah uh, I, now that i said well i think it's it's a lot of stuff. I mean, now we live in 2020. I mean, there's the whole mm -hmm. foodie culture, right? It's cool to appreciate mm -hmm. foods from other countries. We see people like traveling to places yes. on video logs, eating weird yes. foods. Like it's cool. It, it was, was not, not cool. It, it was in not 1988. Cool. And uh, <laughs> I remember like sometimes when I come home from um, school at two three thirty or so, I will be so hungry because I wouldn't eat that lunch. I like, I would like, secretly toss in the garbage because like what was this jam and bread with like like my mom would fold like a, a piece of j bread with jam and then it would be squished up so badly so did your parents offer the option of chinese food and then you said no or did they just not even suggest it because uh no i don't think they suggest i I don't know why that at that time like i had that single time which is still in my head but it wasn't the norm. It wasn't the norm. And I think they mm -hmm. also felt like bringing foreign food, like with the thermos or with rice or whatever, would make me look not fit in or would the like kids would make fun of right. me. So I think they were aware of the stigma that, that uh, bringing like smelly lunches would, would bring to a kid, uh, which is bad. <laughs> but in a way, like they were also sensitive to my feelings as well. If you were to look back on it now, with all this hindsight and look back at that same max period what would you tell your younger self if you could travel back and say something to him right like he's he's struggling or he's feeling like he's not going to fit in what what lesson can you look back on oh that's a very interesting and difficult question Dave. um if i were to go back i would say kenny you have to stand up for yourself uh kenny you, you mm. have to um not care about what other people think of you uh you because there are so many other people with many opinions and voices you just have to be yourself and be comfortable with uh what you like to do and so mm -hmm. even for uh, meeting friends for example if there's a friend who you do not like or who does not treat you well maybe at that point in time you should tell the friend you know to either stop or um, you know what I don't want to be uh, like I want to I don't want, want to associate with you anymore or in, indirectly like I wouldn't say to his or her face because that's not my character but I would like slowly move away and um, be with those who maybe uh, have the same interests uh, that I have or same belief that as I, I have so I think I would mm -hmm. I would do that um, the other thing is um, I would tell myself to not be lazy because I remember like when I came home, I, I rode up the bike uh, and I played computer games when I got the computer. So, but in hindsight, I would, I would 
use that time to maybe I don't know do something a little bit more <laughs> concrete <laughs> academic I don't know right I mean on behalf of everyone listening I'd like to thank you for sharing your story it's very heartfelt and it's actually quite something to hear you talk about the immigrant experience from the first hand like you know perspective because even I have not heard a lot of this uh, well it's very it's very reflecting uh, reflective um, just talking about it right mm. uh, and I don't mind uh, mm. talking about it because it is the experience that I had and maybe I am not the only person who have the same feeling maybe another person out there has the same feeling and maybe right. by hearing yeah it's you common hear me and, and yeah. you feel a little bit better just because well, of it the good news is the story is not over. We will be back in a week or two and talk more about Kenny's experience going a little bit further into higher education through high school, university, and what that's like for an immigrant and how he ultimately got into teaching. So if you've enjoyed these last couple of episodes, <laughs> please come back in a couple of weeks when we continue our conversation with Mr. Kenny Ho. Thank you. All right. Well, no, no problem. That was very good. Good night, everyone. All right. <laughs>